Welcome, and thank you for listening to the New Day Podcast. We are located in South Kansas City, proclaiming the good news of God's grace to our region and abroad. If you'd like more information, please visit our website, newdaykc.org. Last week, and I want to—I want to stay. On, I'm going to jump right into this because I want to stay on this journey, and uh, I'm a little bit behind on getting the the podcasts up, but I will rectify that uh, this week. I promise. And uh, but we've been looking at um, the issues surrounding what God's economy is and how I defined that, what I made that to be, that it's not about money, it's about the principles that God uses in blessing, taking care of us, growing us, all those things are the economic plan of God. And do you know that God doesn't waste anything? There's not one thing wasted. How do you know that? Because of his economic principles and what he talked about. He said, uh, it's really interesting, not one sparrow falls to the ground that he doesn't know it. How often do you pay attention to sparrows? Birds are out there, not even sure what kind of bird it is. But Jesus does. You know, he really does. He, you know, he cares for every one of those possums that become roadkill. It's in it within his economy. Should we be more careful then? Yes, that's the whole principle behind it. We watch care over all of creation. Do you know that you are still called to Adam's calling? To care watch over our environment? To care about it and to see it? And uh, so I'm going to shame everybody. Don't you dare litter. I don't know what happened to me when I was little, but it irritated me when I was little when I would go out in the woods or go down to the river and I would, I would see, you know, an empty box of things that once held worms. Worms. Crush you like a worm. I wanted to crush those people. You know? Because they were... They were de- you, you, had, you put trash in this beauty? I didn't understand it. I didn't have words for it when I was little. It just made me mad but I didn't like it. And we're to have watch care over that. So I want to go back to a scripture that we ended with, and we talked about the story of Joseph, uh, about the courage to choose to be virtuous. And that that starts in a place of privacy within us. I'm going to talk a little bit more about that. And then also publicly. And that the wonderful concept of God's economy in this, you have to actually go up to verse 1 where you say, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God. In the knowledge of God. So as we're growing, what, and you find out this then in verse 5, that when we add, God multiplies. He does this incredible thing. And I'm not talking about multiplying in the old hyper-faith teaching. You know, God's going to, what do you need? God's going to, you know, although I, I believe he goes beyond what we need. But it's not about that. It's that God wants to give out of his good pleasure. He wants to give the kingdom, the, the principles of God to you. And when you add them in your life, he multiplies back to you. 
It's an amazing concept. I mean, think of that. If we actually had our economy based in that, do you know how much America would be prospering right now? Instead of going into debt, that we actually added good things, victorious things, righteous things into our lives. And God's economy says, I, I will bless that back. So here's what it says in 2 Peter 1.5. He says, for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. Well, you have to ask the question, before we even get to knowledge, because we, you know, if I was going to write this, I would put knowledge first, but he, I didn't. He, he said a funny thing, and that's about virtue. I believe it's because of this. When you start choosing to add virtue, the end result of the economics of God in your life is that you, you start growing through grace and peace. You start growing in trust. When you choose God, your trust grows. Well, I have to have trust to choose him. When you choose God, your trust begins to grow. And when that happens, grace grows. That means favor. When that happens, more right choices happen. And courage becomes rewarded by God. It takes a lot of courage to choose to do right. Um, a lot of people talk, well, they have to be, you have to learn between right and wrong. Do you know that's not completely true? Do you know that the truth dwells in you? Jesus dwells in you and he's what? He's the truth. The truth dwells in you already. And the wonderful thing is that even in the fall with Adam and Eve, God gave us an incredible gift from him. It's called a conscience. An awareness. Well, you have to be taught what's the difference between right and wrong. Do you know what? When Jesus lives in you, you know. Each one of us know. Gee, should I do that? The very fact that you're asking the question tells you, no, dummy. If you're asking the question, the answer is no. That very thing, your conscience is alive. Um, it's, it's virtue. And it deals with, here's where we can really get this and get it inside of us. How many of you, I've been watching that survival program called Alone and I've been getting so much good God stuff from it. It's just unbelievable because those people treat that camera like the Holy Spirit. Nobody else is around them. How, how many of you like to be alone? Really like to be alone? Like could handle a week of being alone? Yeah, you and I, yeah, there's three or four of us. I know you. I discern your spirit. <laughs> it doesn't necessarily mean that you dislike being with people, but there's a preference there. Here's what happens. I even wrote a poem about this a long time ago. When you're alone, things become clearer. Things become more distinct. You, you pay attention to the little nuances 
Um, I like to go fishing with other people, but I love fishing alone. I always tell my brother, I do my best fishing when I'm alone. Why is that? I become so zoned in and honed in to what I'm doing with the fishing that I probably perform better. Now, do you have to be alone to perform better? That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that there's an awareness that God wants to work in you where? In your conscience, where you're just alone with you. All right things have a starting point, and it's there. You alone with God. Wow, what would they... (laughs) What would you say to the little camera that's watching you? Um, You see, it's funny because they use it both as a form of prayer, as I'm watching this program, and a form of self-talk, which God gave to us through our conscience. Our conscience is supposed to connect with God, who we call it, he's speaking things to our hearts. Have you ever heard? That's a common Christian term today. Uh, especially in the charismatic church, that he's, he, you know, he's speaking to my heart. Oh, God's there. He interacts at a spiritual realm with our unconscious thoughts, even. And he can. Have you ever noticed in your life how just it just drops in out of nowhere? You go, oh, I wasn't even thinking about that, and all of a sudden I went. And it was God. Now you've got a God story that you're going to tell everybody. And it was this and it was that. And God is very aware of your conscience. Your conscience is very aware of God. Because it is connected to your spirit. And your spirit and God's spirit are joined together. They are what you are one spirit with him, it says in 1 Corinthians. Here's where it comes out. When my conscience is alone with God and I'm aware, I will do two things. I will pray. The first first thing God wants to do is communicate with you. So we respond by going, huh. Have you ever been like getting up in the morning in your bad mood or anything? You go, oh, I I need to pray. And you just throw up one of those real quick little prayers because you're in in a... Well, all of you are wonderful, happy morning people, huh? Liars. <laughs> and you throw up that prayer and go, God, I don't know why I'm being so grumpy. I don't want to be this way. Help me, Lord. And man, within his economy, all of a sudden it just changes. If you're not changing, it's the, you're not aware of that aloneness and that how he wants to wrap himself in and and get into your life in such a way. Then the other thing is your self-talk. Now, traditionally, we call those the Psalms. The Psalms are filled with self-talk. A third of them are a complaint. Our self-talk is where we complain. You know, they're kind of a whine. How long, oh God, until you remember? You know, and it's lifted up, but it's a real heart cry, isn't it? We can get downcast. Uh, I do have kind of, I, I have this romantic melancholy side to me that if I'm not careful goes real melancholy and not very romantic. Um, but it's that, 
uh, it's that place of knowing, crying out to God. And then about another third of the Psalms are what's known as an exhortation. It's where we cry out in self-talk, worship God, make a stand. And it, it usually deals with, in the Psalms, you can you find them, it's filled with it. Remember who God is. That's you alone when you're talking to yourself. You're looking at the camera. There's nobody else around. Just you and that, that camera that's observing you in your survival mode. You're going, huh. Remember who God is at this point. And you start speaking to your own soul. It's funny on that program, but you can see the decline and advancement of people. Seriously, by their self-talk. The minute they move from, oh dang, I'm hungry. I haven't had anything to eat now for a week. Oh, wait a minute. Why am I doing this? They start questioning. Oh, wait, I really miss my family. I really, you know, I just suddenly realized I love my family. You, it took that to get you to know that you loved your family? You're going to miss your kids? If you didn't know that before you went on this program, you shouldn't be on this program. You're not going to make it. You will not be the survivor. You will not get a half a million dollars. I'm thinking about, no, really I'm not, Brenda. <laughs> I couldn't do it because I can't, I can't lick a river and hug a tree and chew plants. And make it through that time but I believe my self-talk would be very different because our self-talk is supposed to be intertwined with who God is in our life and when you exhort yourself to choose a virtuous thing a right thing everything changes it's that place of having the courage inside of you what is virtue it's courage it's valor. I'm going to read you some other things of what it is. But this has been explored. We don't explore it anymore in modern Christianity. Listen, the early theologians tore this verse apart. They exegeted this down word by word because they knew this was such an important thing in the economy of God and God being in someone's life. And they saw it as deep. There's a... There's Tons of stuff written about this. Do you remember when Jesus said to them, be of good cheer. He said, in this, in this life, you'll have tribulation. But be of good cheer because I have overcome it. In this world, you'll have trials. Be of good cheer. The word cheer is courage. It's the same root word. Same root word for virtue. <sighs> if anything is virtuous, it's Christ. He is virtue itself. Because think all the things that, of words that you would use as synonyms for virtue. Purity wholeness, completeness, uh, praiseworthy, all of those things. That's who he is. He's at, and he said, oh, be of good virtue. 
I've overcome the world. There's a little little side note, because as you study this stuff, I get all this stuff that I want to, if I weaved everything in, we'd be here till December. Uh, but there's so much, because this, this is my... This is my heart and the things that I love, to find these uh, golden nuggets. You know, William Bradford, uh, uh, during, during the first great awakening in America, and he one of the early founders, and he was a preacher as well as a politician. Ooh, what a combination. But he used to walk around, so the story goes, this could be apocryphal. He used to walk around with a fake diamond, a big one in his pocket. It was a glass thing, not a real diamond. But he would go to the street corner and he would hold it up. And he would talk about the manifold grace of God, how it, how it shined through that. He would, and he, what he was implying was, I dug for this, this diamond, this precious jewel, and that's who Christ is. And he would hold it up and say, look at the manifold grace of God. Because the light would come in, of course, on a big old diamond. It's cut that way. It has many facets. That's another way of saying uh, that. And the light would ref refract in such a way that it, it was colors. It was almost like, did you see the double rainbow for the queen? I believe... With all my heart, that was the Lord, and he honored her. You know, one of the first things she did when she was young in the 1950s and had ascended the throne, Billy Graham did a crusade in England, and she asked to meet with him privately. And she served the Lord. Did she do everything right? I have no idea. I don't know about that. I'm, I'm Lloyd Rindles from Janesville, Iowa. What do I, you know, <laughs> the queen comes in. But here's God, and she chose God. And I believe at the end, he gave that double rainbow as approval over her life. There may have been some things wrong. Nevertheless, she was a good queen. Just like the scriptures speak of the old kings of Israel. And I just, I just think that was a profound thing that not enough was, not enough was made of it. A diamond. The book of Acts, the end of it, chapter 23. There's such a, it's verse 11. Now, Paul's in Jerusalem. Let me give you the scenario for it. You can look the verse up later. Paul's in Jerusalem, and all of them want to get him. They all want to do him great bodily harm. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes, probably even some of the people in the church, and they want to take him by force and so the Romans take him by force and lay hold of him and he won't compromise he's the guy that I talked about on that album cover he's standing there saying it's Jesus he's the only way and he's got them all furious and here's a funny thing verse 11 says this the Lord stood with him and said, be of good cheer. Do, do you understand in the economy of God what's going on here? He won't bend. He drew the line and said, no, I'm a believer. 
And Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. Those of you who believe in miracles, they didn't want that miracle. Those of those who decried miracles wouldn't have accepted it anyway. And they're all mad at him. And it says this. Now, how did they know this? It doesn't say whether it was a whisper or Paul knew inside of him. The Lord stood with Paul. Every time you make a choice, a virtuous choice to stand with God, guess what? He stands with you. And then he speaks into your heart. Now, the thing that he said to him, <laughs> he said, oh, you're not just going to testify of me here. You think this is rough? I'm sending you to Rome. <sighs> so that's what the Lord finished with. Be of good cheer. Uh, I would have said, <clears throat> buddy, some tough times are coming. But he said, be of good cheer. Be of good courage. Isn't that a phenomenal thing? I think it is. I think it's phenomenal what God does. So, virtue. Choosing virtue. The old, <laughs> the early church actually broke this down because they couldn't just say virtue. They broke it down into seven virtues. Because they saw it, the nuances of what this word meant of good cheer, courage, all, all those different things of, of what it meant. Uh, it, it, here, I'll, I'll read you just a couple of them. It's conforming to a standard of right. That's a, one meaning for virtue. A beneficial quality. Uh, it, it's actually, it was related to men. Manly strength. That's why you talk about the old knights of old and you that are getting ready to do the Renaissance festivals and, and wear the costumes. They, this was huge to them. That's why it was studied so much. It's also a commendable quality in the sense of it, it's merit to you if you had this. I meant chastity, especially when it's both, in the Greek, it's both masculine and feminine, and that doesn't happen very often. So that's why when we speak of the virtuous woman, it speaks about being chaste and being pure and everything, and it means all those things. Um, it also has force in it, though. It's, it's, a really, it's a really interesting word. Has uh, The biggest meaning with force is the word valor, which we don't understand valor in the same way today. We think of Marines, and yes, they have valor. I would never take, a, you know, take away from any Marine, you know, even right up until the end, you know. You know, the, the, the saying at every Marine's funeral is be at rest. Your watch is over. That's valor. Be at rest. Your watch is over. It's that watch of where you're looking and helping the right thing. So the ancients studied this. They knew it. They were able to grasp it and get, get their heads around it. Now I'll tell you this, here's, I'm going to give you the, you know, the virtues and how they broke it down, and then we'll cover them well the next time we're together. There are seven virtues, four of them are called cardinal virtues, and the remaining three are called theological. 
there was felt within the times of the writings that the four cardinals could virtues could be understood by all civilized people, but the three theological ones were only understood by Christians because they were given from God. They were, they were, it was the virtue that was in God that got put into us when we became believers. So the, the three theological ones are faith, hope, and love. Uh, they're based in what God has done for us and how we can respond to him and others because he lives in us. So other people didn't have that. But all people could understand what the other ones were because they were cardinal virtues. And I don't think in the terms of church, everybody always goes, let's see, uh, Catholic church, cardinals, I know what that's not what it's talking about. A cardinal was actually the word that was used for the word hinge. What we call today a door hinge. The, the clasp thing with the little swivelly things and the bolt that goes down through that, that was called a cardinal. And so it was, these are the four most important things. There's four cardinal virtues. That if, you can, if you can picture the symbology that everything hinges on that everything turns on and opens up on. So they understood this to be so deeply important. And those were pivotal, if you will, because it pivots. Those were pivotal, pivotal to life. How you get through life and what it means to have virtue. Now, for literally for hundreds of years in the church, this was one of the main teachings. This teaching that, that we're exploring and doing it right now. And so we're going to look at what each of those meant because when they said virtue, they meant a minimum of four things. And then, now think about this, God multiplying. As they added these things into God's virtue that was in them, Grace and peace was multiplied to them. So they understood, whoa, this is important. When you grasp this and you grow in your knowledge and understanding of how to make right choices, God multiplies faith, hope, and love to you. Does it really multiply? No, your ability to ascertain and attain them become different. You look at them differently. So we'll explore it next time. And uh, go back and read that passage in Peter. Just mull over it. God will, I'm going to say this boldly, God wants to honor you in that. So here comes the heavy hand. I charge you to read it. I charge you to pray over it and say, and, and even ask the questions of, how do I become a more virtuous person? What are the things that you would, one little thing that you can show me this week that you want to, that you would like to see me add into my life that will change it today? Will you do that? So I didn't look to see every head bowed and every eye closed. That's not the way I charge things. This is fun stuff. This is the meat, uh, you know. This is the stuff that will get us through the stuff that's going around us. 
It is by virtue that you will say a man is a man and a woman is a woman. And I can define for you what a woman is. Why? Because I have virtue. Clear enough? We can make those... Because when, when we get into this and you will understand that that's what virtue actually meant. The, the discerning between what was right and what was wrong. It's not hard. It's common sense. It's, it's common sense. We'll look at it. Pray with me. Lord, I pray that you would begin to develop a higher sense of virtue in each of us. You've granted us a gift of faith. With that faith, you called us to add virtue. It's our choice. We choose you. I choose you, God, because you first chose me. If you chose me, why on earth will I choose anything else? So this morning, in each of our hearts, we choose you, Jesus. We choose you and trust in your economy. In Jesus' name, amen. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. Lord, make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Lord, lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.